0: Hello,
1: I'm Rob Forsyth. Welcome to Liberalism in Question. In this half-hour podcast from the Centre for Independent Studies, we explore questions and challenges to liberalism today. My guest today is Parnell McGuinness, who, amongst other things, is a columnist with the Sydney Morning Herald and the Sun Herald, and also runs a strategic communications company. Welcome to Liberalism in Question. Thank you. Parnell, your whole family background is involved, sitting with your father's work, PP P. McGuinness, in fighting for liberalism or for liberal ideas. How do you understand liberalism to be? What What is it?
0: Two, two big questions there. First of all, what is liberalism? Look, in its purest form, I'd say it's the, the notion that individuals should be able to live and act freely in accordance with their conscience. And I think also that there is an aspect of adherence to the rule of law, so uh, a certain certain concept of equality within it. Um, You mentioned my family background and and the tradition of my father fighting for liberalism. And I'd just add in there that you you shouldn't forget that he started off on the communist side of the spectrum Mm. and travelled across it. And this is relevant to this discussion in the sense that What he said to me once when we were discussing that, when I asked him, why was it that you started off on that side of politics and ended on the other side? And he said, well, I still believe in the same outcomes. I just believe that the way of getting there is different to the one I originally thought. So he originally thought that the best way to achieve human flourishing was through a communitarian, communal approach, communist approach, he then, in the course of his life, discovered that, no, in fact, the best way of getting there was through a liberal approach, in his opinion.
1: Now, I'm not interviewing him but you, so mm-hmm. I don't want to get you to try and channel uh, your father. But what was it about liberalism that you think led people like him, and there are others also have done that journey in the, late ni- in the late 20th century, to that journey from what was very attractive to, the, uh, to many progressive people, to realise that it was actually a false end, false means rather.
0: I think that was the evidence of their own eyes. That was, of course, the, the communist era. And when you see communism in action, you see this very cohesive ideology which takes you through its cohesion, not to a place of greater equality, but because of its ideological and uncompromising application to a situation in which apparatchiks govern the world. And just to give us the next sort of tab in this conversation, of course, I think that's what you're seeing in liberalism at the moment as well, is that it has become such a cohesive and overbearing ideology in the way that it's applied by some people that it has taken us to a position where we are no longer questioning or no longer nuancing the system to be a suit to be suitable to human beings rather we are trying to create what Mencken called a clear simple and ultimately wrong answer
1: <laughs> yes tell me more you think liberalism itself now has become ideological in that in that out of touch way for in some places out of touch with human flourishing
0: yes yes so uh, I, I think that oh. liberalism through when it is applied in this notion of complete freedom ultimately leads us to Ignore that many of human human structures are built around the happiness that and um, an importance of connection between people. So the culture that um, that gives us responsibilities to one another, so to from parent to child, from child to parent, through the generations to one another, you um, know, through traditional setups, is so important to us as, as a species, that trying to liberate ourselves from that entirely is actually a bit of a, 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 a go, it is taking us in the wrong direction. So what has happened is that by pushing this this very, very simplistic liberalism, we have moved away from, we've forgotten what's so important about the things that that unite us. And I think that's also why we are seeing people responding, people sort of rejecting liberalism. They they feel betrayed by what they say. It's either an economics economics of liberalism, even if they're social liberals, or they think they're betrayed by by globalisation when they're locally based. In fact, what they're being betrayed by is this sort of very ideological approach which forgets that everything in humanity is nuanced and that we need to we need to bear in mind our our connections to one another even while we work towards a better a better future together
1: can you think of any, any examples of the kind of um, this liberalism extremism liberalism that that, uh, that that you think is, are turning people off you've mentioned globalization any, anything else in your mind when you think of this
0: I I do but it's sort of a little bit difficult to describe in a way so a lot of the uh, a lot of social systems I mean we we give ourselves this freedom from um responsibility to one another we give us we give ourselves freedom of relationships and freedom even from from social constructs of marriage for instance I mean this is a marriage is a great one Charles Murray spoke about this a lot um people liberated the
1: the the, the, the 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 American social researcher Charles Murray. Yes, yes.
0: sorry, I beg your Um right, we no. liberated ourselves from this tradition of marriage and that's a wonderful a wonderful moment in history because it was really important it had become an overbearing institution for women it had also become an institution which was dysfunctional in many ways for for many people there was too much riding on this institution. However, when it was dismantled it was dismantled so thoroughly and so ideologically that people actually lost a really important a really important structure and and part of their lives so what that's led to in many ways is first of all we see the great unhappiness that many people have from never moving on to the next stage of their lives. Ironically, this seems to happen to men, even though it's women, you know, women have a very strong biological step from from one part of their life to another and from that part of their life to it's too late. Whereas men don't have this and there is a great sense of loss, but they cannot figure out where it's coming from. There is no impetus to move from um, adolescence into the next stage of life, responsibility, and so therefore there is no, there are no markers in some men's lives which tell them to to take the important steps which which ultimately lead to great happiness and satisfaction yes, in life, yes. even though they they may be miserable or sometimes uncomfortable and and unpleasant along the way. And believe me, I've had a toddler too. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> so so well, I think it's really important that that we think about. Um, you know, liberalism has freed us from from many things, but we but it's also freed us from thinking about um, about the concept of of connection with one another. And as Charles Murray pointed out, what what wealthier people in societies have done is they have started to realize this again, and they've started to re-enter the the institution of marriage and and take on those life steps again um but because of this philosophy of liberalisation uh, of liberalism as opposed to being liberal which um society is now structured to encourage people who don't recognise that as a as a higher good who haven't understood that that there is a that there is an end game in life in the way that you move through it um that's encouraged them to to take a quite a zigzagging path which leads to a lot of people being quite disconnected and unhappy yes. multiple divorces that you know things which which actually don't you know which which sell themselves as being part of a free life but end up in in people sometimes feeling very disconnected from society
1: am i right liberalism at its most Extreme promises that if everybody just does chooses, the f- the highest goal is human choice and freedom, and if everyone just goes free and chooses things whatever they want, it'll all turn out well in the end for them and their life. In other words, th- th- there's a remarkable optimism, and perhaps I must say a narrow point of view about what about the power of choice
0: that's to right. be the
1: uh, the great energy of human life and flourishing.
0: Or, or that, uh, that's, that's plainly choice. unrealistic. You're saying that's well, or that choice because the problem about choice is not choice per se. Obviously, you know, we no. can choose to take on responsibilities which ultimately lead to a satisfying life, or we can choose not to take on those responsibilities because in the moment they're hard, we can choose freedom from them. But we're but we without the structures of tradition that once told us, you know, the the religious structures or the societal structures that once guided us through through life, they no longer lead to the satisfaction. These choices are short-term decisions, and that's that's I guess the the problem which has which has crept into liberalism is this notion that um, that there is that freedom. Is the ultimate path to happiness rather than rather than the choice to take on to take on bonds and responsibilities
1: freedom in itself rather than freedom to choose the good
0: yes yes exactly
1: by the way i'm rob forsyth this is liberalism in question and my guest today is panell mcginnis and we're discussing some of the limitations of liberalism having gone too far i don't know if you've been to many school Beach days, no doubt you will have to when your children are old enough. But a common theme I've often heard is the statement, "Fulfill your potential, be who you want to be." Have you heard that phrase? As a kind of moral advice uh, to young people, a view, a philosophy of life. From what I'm hearing, you're saying, Paniela, I think you're saying that is inadequate.
0: I, I think it's inadequate um and it's and it's also misleading i mean the choice to be whoever we want to be doesn't stand open to everybody um the the choice to you know there are there are simply a number of people who who are blessed with certain qualities and and others who aren't so um i think that that this choice this complete sort of di- divorce from from all obligation or from this this sort of ultimate promise of anything means that there is a void ahead of yeah. people which which is full of nothing. They have to fill it with something and not everybody is capable of filling that void.
1: It becomes basically ne- a nihilist view of the world, un- unwittingly nihilist.
0: That's right, that's right. I and mean, In fact, Martin Guri, um, who's a former CIA analyst, has written a very interesting book, The Revolt of the People, sees a lot of um, sees a lot of the current nihilism in society arising from this from this notion that that the government promises ultimate freedom and in order to facilitate that the government promises that gives you welfare and structures and um, and and all kinds of supports to make that happen, but. The government can't fulfil that promise, which it has provided all of these services to do, by with the ultimate goal of them all, which is the happiness that comes out of it. And he sees the reason that he sees the street protests and the, um, the the discontent in society as rising from a generation which has been made, which is, which has had all kinds of promises made to it. By government, which it simply can't cash the checks on.
1: So ironically, it's government that ter- it turns out to be the uh, solution, or, or rather, the that to which people look in this hyper-liberal world.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's what, what an
1: irony that what an irony that is.
0: Well, indeed, and in fact, that's very much Janine's point in in why liberalism fails. So, yes. he's a very interesting thinker who who I have problems with as well as agreeing with him on a lot of things, but. But Deneen's point is very much that that in in replacing all of these freedoms with laws, so in replacing, sorry, I beg your pardon, in replacing traditional structures with laws, you end up with a much more invasive government than you would if um, if you had the old traditional structures. And you actually end up with people having less freedom and more homogeneity. So very interesting thesis about how... How sort of the search for ever more freedom ends up in in less and less.
1: Doesn't this mean that for liberalism to survive and and to thrive and to be, it needs a moral base of some kind. It needs, it needs a, a view of humanity and of of living that's not just choose whatever you like. Um, you mentioned the past; there were these moral underpinnings in Western society, but they're under a great deal of challenge today. In fact, they're, they're being thinned out today, our moral discourse is much thinner than it was. Can we get it back?
0: I think we have to try. Um, And I think that the first step in this is also to stop regarding liberalism as an ism or to to move away from that ideological logic of liberalism. We have a a philosophy of liberal behaviour and a sort of a liberal worldview and it's so important that that those sort of tenets of liberalism don't become systematized into something which rejects the very nature of humanity. So essentially, what I'm pleading for is let's not make ideologies out of things. Humanity never lives well by ideology. Yes. Communism was an ideology with a with a lovely end game, which takes a terrible, terrible path through its systemization. And liberal philosophy has done the same. When it became liberalism, it took a wrong turn, which has brought us to a point where we're not really quite sure how we're going to bring back the humans into humanity, into the human society and structures.
1: Although, uh, and this may be a slightly Marxist point I'm going to make, economic change also have driven some of these changes in people's thinking and behaviour. I'm thinking of... uh, Globalisation has been enabled by technology. I think of a number of changes from the industrial revolution, which, which have pulled people out of traditional culture in, mm. into, into this massive world in which um, the challenge of pluralism uh, has really been both a, an opportunity for liberalism but in a sense what liberalism has depended upon and, uh, and grown out of.
0: Yes, uh, but not just, I think… Not sure. just ideas. I don't see us really as pulling it out of context because in a way that's that's humanity. When we set sail across the oceans, we didn't right. leave culture behind ourselves. We created new culture. You know, humanity is a is a constant process of, of of discovering new things and integrating new ideas. Um and the liberal idea is you know is one of those ideas that that humanity has has discovered and has integrated and Indeed, as you say, globalisation, these, um, these technologies, these things have been a massive boon to humanity. We've become incredibly wealthy and we've made all of us wealthier through these technologies. So I don't think we should reject these directions. What we simply need to do is not push ourselves into this not, not constantly come up with these grand ideas and try to live up to them um, because this grand idea is just we are not perfect human beings. We're trying, to re- we're trying to create these big, simple ideas which absolve us of constant thought and constant inter- iteration, and humanity cannot do that. We need to think, and we need to iterate, and there is no perfect simple system by which, we can sim- by which we can abdicate responsibility, not religion, not liberalism, not communism, nothing.
1: Show a suspicion of meta-narratives, to use the postmodern phrase.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, perhaps, perhaps.
1: Looking around, I don't think liberalism is, is under great criticism, as you just pointed out. Um, what are people trying to put in its place, as you understand it? And is that, is that itself another one of these dangerous ideological structures that, that deny some of the
0: complexity of human life? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, some of the, so obviously one of the backlashes that we're seeing at the moment, as I mentioned before, to to liberalism is, is this um, turn back towards the notion of communism. Um, communism, you know, having never been tried properly, as we famously know, you know, and... Um, but we're also seeing people looking at liberalism not, and not, and not the, real communism surely no not real communism but then you know as, a, as as mr howard as our former prime minister mentioned on an earlier version of this um of this podcast real liberalism appears not to have been tried properly either in fact
1: um, I think that's i'm as you know i in my other life, I'm a Christian minister, and we say the same about the Christian faith. So we're all busy saying that wasn't us.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And to my point of imperfection, you know, humans aren't good at perfection. Um, but uh, but one of the one of the trends that I'm concerned about at the moment in the backlash against liberal ideas or liberal philosophy yes. is that there is a sort of a push back towards religion, but towards imposing a type of religiosity on humanity that uh, will again be an ideology, a system. You know, if there is one thing I think that we can conclude from history, it is that whenever humans try to create God where, where they believe God has gone missing, instead what they do is create Mao. Um, so they, they put a dictator or a dictatorship in that place. And that's a big danger, I think, because I think I- that there's a sort of nostalgia towards religion at the moment rather than um, an attempt to discover meaning it, within oneself and within one's community again which can sometimes lead to these shared beliefs
1: I, I must say I agree entirely any attempt for humans to create heaven always creates hell there's no question about that do you, do you mean by this term religion in the West or you're thinking about militant Islam or, or or nationalist that, Hinduism what, 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 where do you see yes, this?
0: Certainly in the West. Certainly in the West there is there is, in the moment in the backlash against the liberal philosophy, and you do see this in Deneen, and you do see this in another very interesting thinker of the tradition, Rizad Logutko, who wrote The Demon in Democracy. So there are these, these great philosophers um, thinking about the issue of, of the problem with liberalism at the moment and where they are seeing the solution is in... The need for more tradition, the need for more religion. Now, I'm not accusing either of these philosophers of doing this, but some people then once again like to find that clear, simple, and wrong answer, and say, "Okay, well, if that's what we need to do to move away from this solution, then or move away from this problem, then we need to um, we need to get God back into this, and we're going to put him there by hook or by crook." So um, this is
1: not a liberal then you're thinking at what's called integralism where in a sense the state takes a, a view a religious view that that, 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 that that they're longing for a good old day with crown and altar
0: that's, which did that, exist which did there, exist in Europe uh, there is a push for that wow. in, in in conservative wow. so so I mean you know that is that's one of the dangers that, that we always come up against whenever whenever one of our great isms fails, there's a big push in an opposite direction, which, as you say, leads equally to hell.
1: Because uh, i although my tradition was of an established religion which imposed religious belief on society, and at the time it seemed natural, with hindsight it must mean you become a persecuting uh, state. Right. And just as illiberal, in fact, liberalism often grew out in reaction against a persecuting state. Right. Uh, and be, Although I must say, Parnell, I'm not sure I see in Australia Strong moves in this direction, maybe in the United States or Europe, but not here in Australia.
0: Well, I, I mean, everything always starts small. I like to, I like to, um, to read widely and and catholicly, if I may say so. Um, in order, and, and yes, there is definitely a movement in, in the US. Um, it being a larger society with more thinkers, um, yeah. but there are also people picking this up in Australia. I'm I'm sure there are also in non English speaking countries
1: are you worried about the, uh, the the kind of remoralization of our society with great concern, great moral concerns i've noticed in um, certainly in in the amongst progressive society uh, concerned about racism sexism and almost a a new utopianism developing mm. a desire to get it really really right uh, to abolish things i remember someone saying the government should act so we can what's it we can, blot, we can prevent ever again there being any of this kind of um, what's about domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And idealism, hung, hunger for that in our society, do you see that as any way a danger, a kind of perfectionism of moral concerns?
0: Well, yes, especially if it doesn't start with the self. So the moment people start by by deciding that they're going to improve others rather than start by looking <laughs> at how they can improve themselves, we're always heading down a dangerous route. And in fact, I, I thought I was I wrote recently about this um, following the criticism of Jordan Peterson. Because yes. I'm no huge fan of Jordan Peterson, I have to confess. I, I think his writing's a bit overblown and and his thought is not always as 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 complex or interesting as, as I think people sometimes make out. But he does make a few very important points among those that you should clean up your own room before you seek to go out and change the world. Um, and by contrast, so the um, there are movements like the Robin DiAngelo White Fragility book, which was written against racism, you know, or not against racism but in favour of anti-racism, um, and always, these books always seem to look at how, how people can change other people, how people can tell other people that they are doing the wrong thing. Now, reading anti-fragility, uh, not anti-fragility, reading White Robbie Fragility, DiAngelo, yes. white fragility um, one, of the, one of the things that becomes very clear in this text is that she herself, she feels that she herself is racist. And there is this great struggle with her own inner, inner ideas and, and conflicts. But rather than look first to how she can address these within herself, she starts off by how can we change society? Now she also does very well out of this financially, so um, <laughs> good on her. Uh, but, but this is this, these are the two poles now also I think in politics. And this is what we see in this in, in a lot of progressive idealism tends to be let's change the rest of the world and there is very little look at uh, what are the failings within myself, you know, am I yes. am I in a position, am I perfect enough to be going out and telling other people how to be perfect?
1: Parnell, there's something of a, of a Burkean conservatism underneath your liberalism, I feel, a awareness of the limitations of human uh, ability to have systems that will make things better, whether the left or the right, and I need, I need to be aware of the, both I guess our lack of knowledge and a lack of power uh, to make things perfect for ourselves and acknowledge the reality of human the deep reality of humanness am I understanding you correctly
0: yes absolutely I'm a, I'm a big fan of Burke I think that I think that there is very little that that couldn't be solved at the moment by going back to some of Burke's ideas and perhaps also to some of Adam Smith's ideas so there's a very interesting again I read a lot but the very interesting book recently by Jesse Norman, who was out in Australia a while back, and I think CIS may have hosted him as well, um, called uh, Moral Capitalism, I think it is. Um, but he marries the the Adam Smith and Edmund Burke traditions to look again at how can society find back to some of these important traditions of, of a healthy capitalist society based in the knowledge, self-knowledge of human beings not being perfect and and looking always to the, to the past as well as to the future for how yes, we move sensibly yes. forward.
1: That's been fascinating. Thank you very much. There's so much more that we could explore uh, in this debate, in this discussion. Thank you very much, Parnell McGuinness. This has been another podcast of Liberalism in Question from the Centre for Independent Studies. For decades, the CIS has been the independent voice working to deliver evidence-based policy within a classical liberal framework. We rely solely on the generosity of people like you for donations to advance our cause. Check out the links on the website to see how you can get involved. I'm Rob Forsyth. Thank you for listening.